Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will use this city as a tool of witness in the lives of those who are struggling to live godly for you. I pray that it will bring deliverance and set the captive free. Lord, as it goes beyond the prison walls, the highway and byways, that it will compel those to come unto you. Lord, those that are struggling, that they'll begin to live victoriously. And Lord, when that race is over and it is all finished, Lord, they can come unto you and you will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. I invite your attention to two passages of scripture found in the Old Testament. The first is 2 Chronicles 7, 14 through 15 and maybe 16. And then Zechariah 7, 7 through 13. Zechariah, the seventh chapter, verses 7 through 13. As we look at 2 Chronicles, very familiar portion of scripture to many and he says if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land he says now my eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and that my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. In Zechariah 7, 7 through 13, he says, should ye not hear the words which the Lord have cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity and the cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south and the plain? Verse eight, and the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts saying, execute true judgment. Everybody say true judgment. true judgment. And show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Verse 10, and oppress not the widow nor the fatherless, the stranger nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear yea they made their hearts as adamant an adamant stone that's impregnable that's the hardest stone known to man that's how they had gotten. It says, lest they should hear the law in the words which the Lord of hosts have sent in his spirit by the former prophets. 
Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. I want you to pay close attention to verse 13. Therefore it is come to pass that as he cried and they would not hear, so they cried and I will not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. Eternal God, once again, we are gathered in your house desiring, for we need a word from you. We really need to hear from you, Lord, on this day, just what you would have us to do. Lord, help us today, not just to be a hearer, but to be a doer of your word. And Lord, as always, please lend me thine anointing, because it's through your anointing, your anointed word, that hearts are convicted, souls are saved, and people delivered. And when all of these things are said and done, we'll remember to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And yes, Lord, if there's somebody in our midst, somebody there, Lord, in Facebook land or YouTube land, Lord, that has never repented of their sins nor been baptized in your name, we pray that this day would happen and that you will fill them with your Holy Ghost. And once again, when all of these things are taking place, we'll remember to give you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise. Let everyone say, in Jesus' name. I just want you to turn back to Zechariah 7, and I'm dropping down to verse number 13. Therefore, it is come to pass that as he cried, meaning the prophet that God sent, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I will not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. I want to minister to you from the time that I have remaining from this thought. Learning to hear from God. Learning to hear from God. And for a subtopic, and I normally don't do this, and the subtopic is, email from God learning to hear from God you see hearing actually is a learning experience many of us have had situations that we have encountered in life and had we been a good listener had we been a good hearer we could have diverted many of those situations if we had only learned to hear. I'm talking this morning about learning to hear from God. The Bible is woven with accounts where God will speak to his people. He will speak to individuals. He will speak to them corporately. But the question on the floor is after he speaks, uh, what are we going to do with what he told us? We find that in the Bible. He spoke to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Hello. He spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. We find him speaking again throughout the Bible. Those are only a couple examples, but many of you Bible scholars, you know who else he spoke to and how he spoke to them. But I want you to really understand the thought, learning to hear 
from God. Most of the time, it's when we're worried, full of anxiety, overwhelmed, or when we're going through our go-through, that's when we desperately desire to hear what God has to say. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. Tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> now, that's when we want to hear from God. When we, as they say in the South, in a heap of trouble. That's when we can cry out to God. And then, then we, we're not just crying out to him. We want to hear him speak back to us. Hello. We look for his voice for guidance when we are in need of something. Newsflash, you're not waiting on God. God is always waiting to hear from us and to speak to us. But again, the question on the floor is, are we hearing him when he speaks to us? To thine own self be true. Sometimes we ask God something and he's about to speak and we are petrified of what is going to be said. So you know what we do? We get up and we just keep it moving. But truly the question on the floor is when he speaks to us, are we going to listen? If the truth be told, and that's what's going to be told in this house, the truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> but if we tell the truth, God is constantly speaking to people, and in particularly his people. But too often, we only want to hear from God when we need him. You know, to change our circumstances or to deliver us from the consequences of our own making. But after he fixes our dilemma, after he straightens out the mess, we don't need to hear from him anymore. Especially when it comes to hearing him tell us how we should be living our lives according to his word. I'd like to invite your attention to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 through 19. And the Bible says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. Saints, we are the children of the Most High God. So our walk needs to be different. Not like the other Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That word means lewd or lustful sexual thoughts to work all uncleanness and greediness. Well, ask yourself, what does it mean to be sensitive to God? Stop right there for a moment. Now, listen, this is not for the person behind you, on back of you, on the sides of you. I'm, I'm asking you this question. What does it mean to be sensitive to God? And now once you capture that within yourself, 
then I need you to have a conversation with yourself. Not, not out loud, because I don't want nobody calling Bull Street on you. But just within yourself. Now, ask yourself, am I really sensitive to God and his will for my life? Now, ask yourself again that question. What does it mean to be sensitive to God? Man has been created with a spirit that enables him to communicate to communicate to God. Animals can't do that, y'all. Only mankind, only humans can communicate to God. Every man has a conscience which serves as a moral compass that echoes the divine nature, though at times in an imperfect way. When the spirit gets activated, somebody said when you activate it. Yes. Come on, y'all know about activation. That phone ain't no good until you get it activated. <laughs> you looking good now, walking around, but you know good and well, nothing coming through because you hadn't got it activated. But when a man that God creates, he puts inside of him a, a means to communicate. And so when the spirit gets activated or man is born again with the birth of the Holy Spirit within him, when he receives Jesus, that's what happens when we're born again of the warden of the spirit. We, we receive Jesus. Then the communication line with God is reestablished in a way. How many of you know that there's some things you don't want to put on your computer because it, it'll tell you it's not secure? And so so you, you don't do nothing monetarily. But when that little symbol pops up and says it's secure, guess what? You go ahead and you give them all the information. But I'm saying to you that, that once man has gotten to the place he's activated through the spirit of God, God is now reestablishing within him a secure way. He can talk to God and listen better to the promptings of God within him. The spirit witnesses with his spirit. The stage is set. Somebody say the stage is set. Watch this. The stage is set for a man to live in harmony with God. When you have God's spirit dwelling in you, it should be in sync with God. It should be a harmony with God. However, if he does not submit to God, that sensitivity gets blunted over time. In other words, you keep doing sin long enough, now it's a part of you. If you do it long enough, you stay out there long enough, then you put yourself in a position where you're no longer sensitive to the spirit of God. Now, on the other hand, or the flip side, if you would, the one who continually submits to him, guess what happens? They get a deeper relationship. Why? Because he knows that he can trust you with his secrets. He knows that if he drops a, a, a gem or, or a jewel or a nugget, you're going to share it. You get a deeper relationship with God. In other words, you really have a love for God. Let me just say here, 
I was talking to a very good friend of ours and he's getting up in age. But I could hear as he talks, not just the wisdom that pours out of him, but a yearning to want to go be with the Lord. And I told him, now listen, sometimes I don't like talking to you. He said, why, Brother Gerald? I said, cause you always talking about leaving here. I said, and I'm not ready for you. I said, I know it's selfish, but I want you to stay around here longer. But I said all that to say, a lot of times it seems as though we get older, then we get detached from the things of the world. Those things don't really matter. I don't care. It don't matter how much money you, you put in a bank account. Don't matter what I live in. I'm just wanting to know Jesus. By and by, I'm really wanting to know him. So that's what happens. Our relationship begins to get deeper. We become real for Jesus. And as we observe the lives of Jesus and his disciples who followed him, they had a sense of God's timing for various events in their lives. They also discerned the real need of people around them. Oh God, I wish that we discern that now. I wish that we see that people are hurting everywhere. I wish us as the body of Christ to understand our mission and our assignment is to reach the lost at all costs. It's to really show the love, the agape love of Jesus to somebody that's lacking. We need to be real for Jesus. We need to, to show that we are truly his disciples. Often Jesus replied to people's addressing their real need as opposed to their spoken need. See, sometimes people could tell you something. Well, I really need this and I really need that. But if you look a little closer, what they really need is Jesus. What they really need is a relationship or an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So he would address not so much the spoken, but what he knew that they had need of. You see, moving with God also meant that their lives, meaning the disciples, their lives were unbelievably productive because they never stood around twiddling their thumbs, not when you was with Jesus, because Jesus was always on a mission. He was always willing to go wherever the need was. He met people at their point of need. So their life was truly unbelievable, full of production in the scriptures that we read in Ephesus or Ephesians. Uh, Paul talks about the disastrous effects of a life that has lost its sensitivity to God. So let's talk about that a moment. Losing sensitivity is a sequel to the hardening of the heart. Let me say that again in case that went over somebody's head. Losing sensitivity is a sequel to the hardening of the heart. It's far easier to follow the sinful nature rather than the voice of the Lord. It's far easier to go astray along with the ways of the world rather than espouse a life of denial in response to the voice of the Lord. As the Bible said, or should I say, 
as the Holy Scripture said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me. That's in Hebrews 3, 7 through 10. Testing and trying God by not submitting to him can over a period of time lead to a state of hardening of the heart where the sensitivity is lost and the voice of God grows feebler with time passing by. It is snuffed out. You no longer are able to hear God speaking to you because you have gotten so hard-hearted that now he cannot penetrate. Remember we talked about that word adamant. That, that's a stone, an impregnable stone. That's how your heart gets. And now he can't even talk to you because you ain't trying to hear him no more. Once that happens, three things follow. First is ignorance and darkness. In the absence of God's input, the understanding or the mind is darkened. When the light is taken away, it is the path of least resistance that man invariably takes, and that is the way of the sinful nature. Now you got so used to sinning, it's just like flipping a switch. Ignorance is when the divine perspective is taken away. You no longer have a spiritual mind. You no longer think like Christ would have us to think. The divine perspective is now off the table. The mind continues to work and can achieve much, but will always be devoid of meaning. In other words, it means nothing. That's why people can hop out of bed with one person and into a bed with another, and it means absolutely nothing because you're devoid of the presence of God in your life. Second, there follows a life of separation from God. Oh, God, help us. Help us! I don't know and don't want to know what that feels like, to be separated from God, not feeling his presence, not hearing his voice. But that's the second thing that happens. It follows a life of separation. The difference between a planet and a space rocket hurling through space is that the former has orderly movement around the sun. Think about it a moment. You can live and exist without God, but the richness of life will be taken away. So will the meaning. Death for all, and for all intents and purposes is a formidable enemy from whose cruel clutches there's no escape for one who is separated from God. You're left to redefine, if you please, what life is all about and vainly hope you are right. And finally, you will be plunged headlong into a life of enslavement to indulgence. Think about it. A good example is when we're on a fast. 
What you're doing is you are mortifying the deeds of the flesh. You're crucifying the flesh. You're telling the flesh, listen, not this week, not this month. You ain't the boss. I'm saying we ain't, and that means we ain't. I know I got some English majors here, uh, but uh, just let me say it like that. You are now telling the flesh, I'm not enslaved to you. I'm, I'm not doing what you want me to do. But see, when I said finally, that final chapter of this, you're going to be plunged headlong into a life of enslavement to indulgence. That means any and everything that comes to your wicked mind, you're going to indulge in. That's verse 17 indicated that the futile thinking leads to futile life. That pattern is unmistakable your thinking determines the life you live the scripture says as a man thinketh so is he if you always thinking about garbage maybe you are garbage hello I know that didn't sit well with somebody but whatever just stop and think if all you think about is your indulgences we gonna hook up after service. Man, you got those 40s waiting. I mean, you, if that's all it becomes, after a while, you gonna get burnt out. Because all it's about is fulfilling the indulgence because it has enslaved you. And I said it before, but it's worth repeating. That pattern is unmistakable your thinking will determine your life what do you think and speak defines who you are and forms the basis of what you do when the senses control you enslaving you to a life where you continually seek more of indulgence it takes a pitiful end to a life that held much promise but was wasted away when sensitivity to hearing God was lost. I know many of you know people that, that once walked amongst us. We call them backsliders. And some of them were doing some great things for God, but then they allowed sin to creep in because see, lust and sin will do you in. And they find themselves now a slave to indulgences. Whenever you see them, man, where you going? I got to get that hit, man. Where you going? I got to catch up with Their sensitivity to hearing God is now lost. Let me kind of get into the subtopic. Believe it or not, it's a well-known fact that technology has taken communication to a whole new level. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> From conference calls to the Zoom to texting, and yes, the old reliable email. Hypothetically, what if God says, listen, I've got a record. It's written down in the book, and the book is always right. I've got here how I communicated to man. 
I would use at times my prophet. And the prophet would come and step and say, thus saith the Lord. And you didn't hear him. There would be times I would speak to the heart with a still small voice. And you still didn't listen. So hypothetically speaking, what if God says, since we are in a new age where communication is different now, because you know how it is when people first got these cell phones and people start getting tech savvy, they wouldn't answer your call. I'm not speaking for myself. I'd see my daughter call me and I call her back and she wouldn't answer me. But the moment I text her, I look on the phone and she, why? Because that was the preferred method of that heart. Well, what if God, hypothetically speaking, says, okay, since I can't communicate to you in that manner, how about this? How about God decide he wants to communicate to us through email? Uh, that's right, I said, an email from God. How many of us would receive it? No doubt somebody is saying, but what it, no, no. He has your correct email address. That's not a problem. Come on, let's not forget. He's the all-knowing God. Now there's a number. There's a number of reasons, my brothers and sisters and all you out there. There's a number of reasons why one might not receive an email that was sent. Perhaps the number one reason is being the filter that is operating your computer. It detects an unknown email which is coming from a sender that is not in your contacts. Good God Almighty, how about that? The most important someone is listed as unknown, not detectable, not trustworthy source. So guess what, my brothers and sisters? You'll never get that email from God. Somebody say, why? I'm glad you asked. Because he's been discarded as junk mail or put in spam. Let me go back here for a minute about some of the characteristics of the emails. And if we be honest with ourselves, some of us have some emails that we never answered. We never even took time to look. And so as a result, what happens is some of us got hundreds, some of us got thousands of emails. And how they add up is because this is the mentality. Well, I'll get around to it. I'll delete them one day. I, 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 I'll delete it tomorrow. I, and that's just how sin is. We, we keep letting it hang around. Well, I'll get to it. And but before you know it, it starts adding up. So these emails are multiple in numbers. And we never discarded them. We never treated them like they were. Uh, on many computers, you know what you do is a trash can up there. And it says that's where you put it because it's trash. There's some stuff right now you ain't got no business dealing with because it's trash. Should have been deleted. 
I'm saying to you in my closing, it was all hypothetical, but what if God decided to email you? Would you get the email? We have to get to a place now. We are hearing what God has to say because now is a time if we ever needed to hear from the Lord, we need to hear from him now. Some of us are facing some decisions coming up. And I'll just say this, to be or not to be? That is the question. I said all that to say, some of y'all are facing, do I take the shot or do I not take the shot? This is where this is applicable. You better learn to hear from God. You better talk to God about, Lord, what do you think about it? Because one thing about him, he never makes a mistake. I'm not going to allow you to put it on the pastor. Well, the pastor said, no, you ain't going to be able to point your little bony finger and say, well, I did it because he said, no. If you get it, it's going to be because you feel God is putting in your spirit to do it. If you don't, it's because you felt God put in your spirit not to. But I'm telling you, we've got to learn to hear from Thank you, Father. I gotta give you thanks. Because, Lord, everything that you have done, I didn't look at it now. I thank you, Lord, for the release of every chain. Everywhere I go, God, I gotta give you praise. Because you have heard my cry. We have been smothered by the grace of God, and it has brought us joy. Therefore, Lord, we was able to make a joyful noise in this city. We have learned to forgive, and with that in mind, God, I just can't stop praising you. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Amen.